Hey, how's it going? Good. How you doing? Good. So I got a question for you. Okay. What do you know about relativity? Oh gosh. I know that like every other human being, I have a brief history of time and haven't read it. Um, <laughs> is that the Hawking book? It is. Yeah. I know a little bit uh, about it. I, I read it and then I don't retain uh, what I should about it. Mm. But what do you, it's a crazy good topic. It's a fun, it's a super interesting topic to me on for years and years and years. Right. It's one of those things, right? Like you feel like you should get it. <laughs> and and I, I went down a rabbit hole. It was one of those things that I always found fascinating. And it's like, okay, I'm just going to take on faith that this is true. So let, let's just try and understand it so it could make sense. And so that's always been in the back of my mind, just like you. I have that book. I don't recall ever reading it if I did. There's another one called Einstein's Dreams, which I'm pretty sure I read. I did uh, read that one. Yeah. And, but the, the thing of it that always hung me up is that they'll use metaphors to describe stuff. And I'm like, but that metaphor is terrible. Like it's not working. So try a different one. And, uh, and okay. So that was, so you and I are both in this sort of the same situation there. It was like, wow, this is fascinating. I feel stupid that I don't get it. And it would be, it's like this itch that's never been scratched. And then this, I read this book that came out recently called, um, Project Hail Mary, which talks a lot about time dilation, which is one of the things like clocks go slower, the faster you move, which seems like no, it's just like, no. Look, so I've got to just to break in, but don't lose your thought. Yeah. The, um, the, one of the mind blowing bits that came up for me in this relativity stuff was like, if you have like, and I'll say the wrong word, but if you have like, uh, an atomic clock that runs, it's, you know, it better than take it you know, keeps, keeps a lick, keeps ticking, licking, keeps licking and ticking. Um, and you put one like driving on the surface of the earth and one way up high in the atmosphere, the clocks will start running at different, start showing different times. Yes. And, and it, it, coo- that's crazy. That is it makes no sense. Crazy. Right. 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 So, so, so this, I read this book into sci-fi book, but it's, it's a hard sci-fi book, meaning that they try and stick with the reality of science, even though it's in the future, it's like not, fake physics and you can't just have a lightsaber stuff like that <laughs> so uh it talked a lot it was these are important plot points the fact that time dilation is real it's like it came into important it, it was a factor in the book so i'm like i gotta i just can't suspend my disbelief and i shouldn't need to so let me let me just try and figure out so i go down this youtube rabbit hole and i find a bunch of stuff by a guy named i think his name's brian green that yeah, uh the string theory dude yeah he's so and he's really and his dad was a vaudevillian so he's got a real performance gene and and is almost distractingly uh theatrical but what he does do a great job of is he gets he makes these animations and graphics and stuff that dumb it down in a way that's like okay here's what we're saying so it's more than just a metaphor it's like really it's it's like an animation that you can see transforming over time which did help me a lot but the, and I still don't understand it, but one of the things that is wild that I, that I think I get, that I didn't understand before, or at least I think I know, or at least I understand what they're trying to say is that the speed of light is constant. That's what C is in the, in E equals MC squared. The speed of light is C and it's something like 300,000 kilometers per second. And I'm, and so like, you know, we're talking, it's all the subject is about relativity. I'm like, but 300,000 miles per second compared to what? 
Right. You know, it, but they're like, no, it's constant. Compared to everything. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and so you know how you know what the Doppler effect is, where like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if like if if a sound, I can't. I'm I'm not a Doppler effect machine, but yeah, no. I get it. Nice try though. Um. So yeah. So as the as something is coming toward you, the the source. That's, you know, so if you imagine a sine wave, it's like these like waves, like up and down, up and down, up and down. The frequency of them is what sets the tone. So like how quickly the waves are hitting you sets the tone. So as it's moving toward you, each subsequent wave is a little bit closer. So it has to travel a shorter distance. So, you know, like if the, if the, imagine a, a fire truck that's going crazy fast, like a thousand miles an hour and like, you know, it's a mile away and the first woo goes and that leaves. And now it's like a hundred in 50 feet closer or like whatever a mile closer to me it's going so fast the next one has to travel a much a mile less distance so the the waves are hitting me closer and closer and closer so the pitch increases and increases and increases and then opposite when it goes away because they have each subsequent wave is produced farther and farther away so they have to travel farther and now they're farther apart from each other light doesn't do that so like this this is this is so wacky so if a if a if a, I don't know, a fire, again, a fire truck, if a fire truck is hundred miles away from me, uh, let's do closer. If a fire truck is like a hundred feet away from me and turns on its lights, it's just stationary relative to me. We're both parked, <laughs> turns on its lights. It's lights. It's the light reaches me at the speed of light. If the, if the, if the uh, fire truck was going a hundred miles an hour and hit that spot and turned on its lights, it would still hit me at the speed of light. So it's always the same frequency. Yeah, it's 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 maddening. It's maddening. And you're right. Like the way that it's described, it feels like like if you just don't if you can't live in a world of of math, you can't even speak their language. And and when they try and they try and explain this to us and they use these metaphors, they you, you really just have to like there was a comedian that I saw. He was just like, this does not make sense. Like. <laughs> You guys think things make sense, but you're you're on a planet. You think you're in America, but zoom out. <laughs> like nothing makes sense. And like the idea that like you get these little snippets, like for light, it's um it's a wave and a particle. Mm. Okay, yeah, yeah I guess right. so. But like, it, why is the particle not affected by the fire engine's velocity at that point? Then? Right. And so I think the answer is it has no mass. So it's almost like so. Check this out: a photon which is the particle I get. I, I don't know how much of this is like pretty definite, but I think it's pretty definite. A photon is the particle. It's the substrate that is moving that allows you to see stuff. So like if a, if a, if a wave in the air is a sound wave, like a wave of photons is a light beam or light wave or whatever. And they have no mass, which, which you would think, which first of all, sounds impossible. How can it exist? How can something have no mass? But then, then it, I'm like, okay, if that's true, then why would it have an upper limit? Like, where does the upper limit come from? So it kind of suggests, because you'd think it would go to asymptotically to infinity, like the, the potential relative speed. So, so it, it's kind of like, oh, int so this actually sounds like, this sounds like something that would make sense with my intuition, which is if something, it makes more sense to me that something can't go infinitely fast than to, like, if somebody said, oh, photons can go infinitely fast i'd be like that makes no sense like that makes less sense than having a massless particle but so if it can't go infinitely fast then there must be some kind of cap 
And so then there's this, I guess, and I think this is a lot less defined, but I was, again, rabbit hole. It was like, well, there might be other particles that are also massless or gravitational waves might also have the exact same speed cap as photons in light, not because it's some property of the photon or the gravitational wave or whatever makes that up, but that there's a, there's a, there's a, a speed limit on the universe like that they would go even faster than this, like photons would go even faster than the speed of light, but there's this hard stop for some reason that they can't exceed, but they would exceed. So it would kind of, and is that the cap? You can't travel faster than the speed of light because of E equals MC squared. Is that the cap? Um, I don't know. I think, I think that is how to calculate how much energy. So like, so like how much energy is contained in a, in, you know, if E is energy and M is mass and C squared is, or C, I guess, is, um, God, I don't actually know the order of operations anymore, but whatever. So the C is the constant that you would multiply the amount of mass by to find out how much energy, I don't know if it's potential energy, but I guess it's potential energy is stored in the whatever, I don't know what, the at- the atoms, the, the body, I guess it must be the body, whatever mass you're measuring. So so if, if it was, if this is not just conceptual to make the math useful and there's an actual speed limit on physics for bodies in motion, that act, that does make, that somehow makes it make sense to me that, cause it's not that the speed of light is constant. It's, it's not that it's constant. It's not that it's different. It's not that it's the particle itself is different. It seems so weird to me to, that the, that a particle would have a speed limit. It doesn't even make sense to me, but to imagine that there is a speed that nothing can exceed, but it's not a property of the particle. That makes a lot more sense to me. I don't know why, (laughs) but it just feels too exact. Like it doesn't make sense. So it's almost like it's almost, it explains like if a car is approaching me and turns on its headlights, the light, the lights will cover the distance in the same speed as it would if it wasn't moving because it wants to go way faster. And if it could go way faster, there would be a difference. But for some reason, that's outside of the particle that that speed cannot be like um, exceeded. Then I'd be like, well, Oh, okay. Right. Well, so <clears throat> I don't know if this has any effect on what you're thinking. Cause I, I came across something recently that was like, I, I had thought that light travel at a constant, but it, it's a constant in a vacuum. That's yes. That's okay. Right. So that, that doesn't affect anything in particular, but then I'm also thinking about gravity and the reaches of gravity. And how quickly that moves. And mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know if anybody knows that that's instantaneous or not for, for what's affected by it. So light obviously takes time. Like that's why things that are super far away are we're looking into history when we see them. But gravity seems to just be ever present everywhere. So I, I wonder if, and I was just looking online as we were talking, it's like, they, it does, it is, they are saying that no known, no known object can travel faster than the speed of light in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. But that, so Including are you light. saying that, right. Yeah. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think nothing can, not just light, but I think it's, I, I always felt like light was setting the limit, like that you couldn't tra- travel, fa- like if, like if suddenly tomorrow light could go faster then everything else could go faster. You know what I mean? It was like, like somehow light, but I don't think light, the way that it makes sense to me is that light is not the limit it's just going as fast as is physically possible anything in the universe can. as anything right. can it has not it just happened to be discovered with light first so it's called the speed of light but it's actually in my mind now it's the speed limit of the universe and light is just capable of exceeding that but it's not allowed to 
So it's like having a speed limit on the on the highway. Like you could drive a Ferrari way faster than 65 miles an hour, but in general, you're just going to see people not exceeding the limit. So why would that limit be so, there is probably just as dumb a question, but <laughs> So are you wondering if it's a function of of the the math or are you like are you wondering if if it's if this limit is observed? Cuz I think the limit is observed. Yeah, I think well. it is too. And so I think I think it's a description of uh you know, a physical property. And I don't know if this ties back to what you're saying, but like, why that, you know, what, <laughs> right. what was special about that? But it's, but light, I like if to the extent you're like bringing light and like nothing can travel, travel that fast. There is still the, the weirdness of it, um, not being affected by relative motion. Unlike everything else. Like yeah. that is, seems to be a unique property still. Yeah. Cause everything else is affected by that. As far as I know. Okay, so like this is probably completely disproven by the math, but if the speed limit is the stopping thing and light and light without the speed limit would approach infinity, then perhaps is we're just incapable. Maybe it is maybe it is affected by relative speed, but it's so much faster that it's like beyond, you know, a, a million digits of precision that we could even hope to to oh, detect. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So it's not that, so it's like, um, so it's, oh no, would that be it? Because relative to what? So I think it's different. Like no matter how fast you're moving, the light appears to get to you, whether or not you're moving relative to the light itself. So like. That's the mind bending thing. Right. That is the mind bending thing. Like right. everything else. And it's observed. But one wonders if, you know, Newton was right until he was wrong. One wonders if there's a, you know. Einstein was right until he was wrong, like it, that it's more complicated. Right. Well, and I, I, another tidbit that I came across recently is when they, when NASA or anybody uh, sends people into orbit or to the moon or to wherever, they still use Newton's calculations because uh, Einstein's aren't, aren't, don't uh, matter as yet. Correct. Yeah. Cause the, they only start to matter. So this was a really, this is another really good thing I got from the Brian Green stuff because he starts off by laying the groundwork for like, how could any of this stuff that seems so improbable and just so disjointed from our daily experience, how could it be so unintuitive and still be true? And he did a beautiful data visualization about how of the, the, of the range of possibilities in the known universe on three uh, metrics. One was mass, you know, we, we did the mass, one was mass, one was size, and one was speed. And he's like, and, and he had this huge three-dimensional matrix of like the observed universe. And like, you know, here's the speed of light on one end, and here's like stationary or whatever that even means. And here's like, you know, the mass of a photon is zero. And the mass of a black hole is like approaching infinity and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, the, you know, all the, all the different, and the size and uh, of different things. And then the person is just like this teeny dot, almost invisible dot in the center of these three uh, dimensions and it's like well of course you're not going to experience things that are are much outside of things that are roughly your size roughly move at your relative speeds and roughly weigh you know have the mass that you have not weigh what you do but have have your relative mass so of course you're going to experience a teeny fraction of what is possible in the motion of objects in the universe because the ones that are near you are so similar to each other that they're barely different. It's almost like, it's like, 
I mean, you, you wouldn't count the earth because you can't really observe. You can see the ground, but you're not observing the earth like an outsider. So like cars and planes and, and, and people and dogs and cats and trees and stuff, they're all practically the same on these massive scales. And he said, technically, technically your head is aging faster than your feet. Right. But you can't but, measure it. But you, it's so small that you can't measure it. And it doesn't matter. So it does make sense to me that like, I think it's called ballistic astronomy would be Newtonian because you're just like shooting stuff. Like, that's probably the wrong word, but but you're just like shooting. You're just throwing a rock in the air basically and hoping that it it, it gets outside of gravity. But if you're, if you're traveling over light years, that's when the time dilation becomes meaningful and, you know, at speeds that are super fast for a long time because of constant acceleration you know, you can get going extremely fast if you live long enough, but, but you'll, you, the time that is passing for you is the same. You're aging and to you, it's a year, but on earth it was 10 years or whatever. And, and the, the thing that they talk about there with time dilation. And again, it was a, it was a key plot point in the book. It was very important in the book. And the, uh, because the, there was like an alien race that was space faring without having, uh, without having ever discovered relativity. They had other other material science that allowed them to create an elevator to space and then build a ship in space. <laughs> and then they were, they, you know, they were weightless at that point, essentially. And they were able to do stuff they wouldn't normally be able to do because their material science was really good, but they didn't know about things like radiation, for example. And they didn't know about things like relativity. So the alien species had a whole bunch of problems that it did not make sense to it. And then the alien was basically like normal human. It was sort of the stand-in for the dumb guy, and uh, and the the and it just doesn't. I like, couldn't get my head around the clock thing, but basically the concept is, and this this started to make it make sense for me is is not that the because literally for a while I was taking the metaphor literally like the clock slows down, right? But that's but it's not that because well then you wouldn't age slower the the mechanics of the clock slowed down so it's just ticking slower it doesn't make me age slower the clock's just wrong <laughs> right but in the 70s i guess they actually did an experiment where they had an atomic clock at an airport and they put one on a plane and they flew the plane around the world yeah for a long time and sure enough the clocks were different at the end and you know that it seems impossible but basically the way i understand it is that that they talk about space time and that it's relative. And I'm like, that means nothing to me. And, and they'll show you like these diagrams of like, it looks like the sun is sitting on a trampoline and it's kind of sunk in and the earth is on a trampoline and it's kind of sunk in a little less and like the gravity well. And they talk about all that stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but there, there is no fabric of space. There's nothing there. Like, like, what do you mean the fabric of space? And, and the, the thing that's starting to feel like it's making it make sense to me is like, just that the rules are different. Like, like the rules change when things are happening differently. So if you're going, you know, close to the speed of light, you're just operating under different rules than, than the rules that we observe in our daily lives, because there's so little variance in our speed, mass and size. So, right. Uh, yeah. Right. Well, I, I think that that's, that piece of it is what I would want to like go off and l research a little bit more. Like, is it just a function? Like, is the clock the same age because it's existing in a time frame like they they the plane went up plane came down i'm the guy that you know sent the plane up there it's tuesday it's 10 o'clock like i know how old that clock is and that's how i'll talk about it and that's how and then did it just did it just move slowly or did something more magical happen with it i i really have no no clue 
but it's it's making me want to look that study up a little bit and see what's there. But there were also twins that one twin astronauts. One was you know sent up into orbit for some period of time, and I I don't recall what they learned from that, but <laughs> I know I know that they 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 poked and prodded them and measured and did all these things. But you know, would they celebrate their birthdays differently? <laughs> you know, I mean, did you did you see that um, uh, Matthew McConaughey movie? I didn't. Um, Interstellar, I think you're talking about. Right. Yeah. So there's a spot there. You you might like, I don't know what you think about the movie, but I think it's really easy to not like it. It's really interesting to watch, maybe regardless, but they're on a mission to find a place for humanity to go. Mm-hmm. And they're checking out uh, five, I think, planets that you know were previous missions. People were sent out to find habitable planets. So they're, this this group is now trying to track goes down and find out what happened and if there's a place for everyone to go or not. And so they're going down, I think to Miller's planet and it's right. It's near a super huge sun or a black hole or something. So the gravity is incredible. So they calculate every minute down there is going to be like a year or something crazy. And there's a guy that's staying in there in the orbital ship. And then they're going down to the planet surface. Well, they go down to the planet surface and something goes wrong and they end up staying there for like an extra two minutes. And then they fly back up to the ship and the other guy's been alone on that ship for 20 years. Yeah. And he is older and they are, they have not changed. So how would that fit in what you're talking about in terms of the clock continuing to tick? Because it was illustrated very clearly. And I know that physicists were consulting on the making of this movie and they tried to make everything as current with the science. So I think that would say that like the perception of time by the gentleman that was in orbit was, he went a little crazy. He's up there for 20 years alone and, and he aged and you can see it. And then the people that were on Miller's planet are like, you know, still panting from trying to get back up. You know, they were down there for like a few minutes. <laughs> yeah. I, it's, so it feels like something more magical is happening there than just this running slower. You know, right. Clock. Well, I mean, I think it's correct to say that it's running slower, but my, my novice, my, my, I think I feel a little bit more like I had my head around it than I used to. I thought the clock was physically i mean it is physically ticking slower but that's not how i thought of it i thought like the the speed was causing the clock to malfunction but that's not i was right. I, I thought the speed was causing the clock to malfunction but that's that's not what they're saying because it wouldn't work on your body it's not i was like i, I th- think i thought it was something about the nature of the way a clock worked that's malfunctioning i feel like all this stuff is just pointing at like we've got five senses we take in some portion of the world and we, we just really, we, it's just, it's like gotta be like just beyond stone age in the way that we are perceiving things. Like just the revelation of time being malleable like that is, you know, crazy. And, uh, you know, what if time, time isn't even real? What if it's all just happening all at once, which, you know, why would I even say that? No, I've heard, yeah, like that's, that's not uncommon in sci-fi where, where, our perception of time is the brain unpacking things in a way that we can process it and that everything actually is, is simultaneous. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And, and so it's, there's what they, what we, they, that, and, but it's, I feel left out of the conversation because of the Brian green meta and all the metaphor problems with this stuff. Like I've been uh, fixated on black holes in no productive way, since high school yeah and it like just the pictures of them are so uh 
they don't help. Like no. there's no metaphor. There's no picture that's like there's new 3d modeling of black holes, which is somewhat helpful, somewhat better. Um, and then now, and then they actually observed one and it matched this, this new illustration, this new model that's out there for it. But like gravity and light are bizarre. Like it's, it's taken for granted that, that it, I mean, none of it makes any sense. So it just, it leaves, it leaves me with this feeling like, do I have to learn advanced math to even participate in the conversation? Right. Or for even those people, are they just as lost as everybody else? Cause they can't describe any of this to anybody. And then what other lessons can I, can I glean from it? Like that you can't trust your intuition on this stuff. Certain. Yeah. Yeah. You it, can't like, it's totally counterintuitive what they're coming, what people are coming back with. And then like, just when you say, well, maybe it's all bullshit. They send a, um, you know, they successfully put something in orbit. It couldn't be bullshit because computers wouldn't work. Yeah, I mean, like right. this stuff's accounted for at the micro level, like because when you get that much smaller, which is way outside of our daily experience, then stuff gets weird. And like the way that things get weird is surprising. So it's it's for sure right enough to be true enough. So like Newton was right, but his field of view was way too small or, or it was just very a lot smaller than the level that Einstein was thinking on, the scale that Einstein was thinking on. So Newton was right for the, but he just, you know, extrapolating that to like, therefore it must work this way at all scales and masses and speeds. Seems like a reasonable assumption because we don't see any exceptions to it. But at the same time, you flip it around and you're like, you're like, you do have a daily experience of gravity. Well, how right. the hell does and, it work? And, and, and Right. And also crazy because when we were growing up, it was the Newton and the apple falling from the tree, but it's not the apple falling from the tree. It's the, it's the planet bending space time and the <laughs> apple like, like observing a curve down to the earth while the earth is moving. I mean, it's just beyond comprehension, this yeah. idea that there isn't a force like that's, you know, decades of my life spent thinking that. You know, I have gravity, but it's just so weak that nothing is really pulled towards me. But none of that's even true. We're just like every every single thing is bending space time all around it. Like, what does that even mean? And why? What the hell? Like, that's <laughs> like you can't even begin to wrap your head around that. Like, because every it's this crazy mapping of 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 curved space that creates channels that inhibit linear motion. And OK, but how many different. It's it's like imagining waves coming in a, in a in a bay or a, in a near a tide pool or something that's being struck by waves from a thousand different directions right. and that's virtually like two dimensional for what we're talking yes. about. Yes. Yep. Like this would be coming from all directions and everything is creating these troughs that would bend linear linear motion. And like you were saying before, I think there's at least I think what you were saying before is like we're working at such a macro level on the Earth and with the speeds we're talking about and the distances we're talking about. And then we have this math model that's infinite. Yeah. We've got somewhere in between for orbit and traveling to the moon and Mars and stuff like that. But like, how can you even begin? Like when you're stuck in this, uh, in the, um, in the impossible to measure realm of earth, how, how would, how can anyone even create a metaphor for, for living in a matrix of forces that you can't observe or feel or see? Mm, yeah. And almost by definition, the metaphor is like a very watered down it's like trying to take something that you do understand and like mapping it to something that you don't, but it's still not the thing. So the, it, it's, and, and, and like the whole time we're talking about this, I'm like, why do I even care? And, and I'm not sure what the answer to that is. I guess I'm just curious, but the, and, and the stuff I care less about is the things like time dilation and things that'll 
virtually I'll never experience personally. It's like the odds of that happening are just like ridiculously low. But I would, I think it's fascinating that gravity feels like such a constant. Nobody, even a flat earther, wouldn't would argue that gra- that I mean, do, do they argue that we're just sticky or something or static electricity? I don't know. I'm sure there's someone that would argue that. But but it's one of those things that everybody is just you just learn it immediately when you fall over and bang your head when you're in diapers. So it's like you just you just accept it. But I have no mental model for it. None. Zero. I have no clue. Right. So even even what you just said, I'm like, "Ah, I don't know. And I and I heard a bunch of this panel of physicists talking about talking about this. And one of them said maybe particles are attracted to higher gravity. No, what did he say? Part he said something like something like partic- perhaps particles are just attracted to areas of space time where they were gonna, where they will age slower, and <sighs> so they're automatically going to go to a higher gravity situation. But but it's not gravity pulling them there. It's that the particles have a desire to go to a place where they're going to live longer or or last longer, whatever you would call it. And it's like oh well, that is interesting. Like <laughs> that is. A funny way to think of it instead of it instead of it being a force produced by the earth maybe the earth just ended up in a spot where it was attracted to the spot that it is because space-time there things move slower and therefore last longer or decay more slowly or something and it's just like so of course particles are going to go you know in earth terms down because they're getting closer to the to the area of space that has these different rules. So like if space-time is just a bunch of different rules and they're not the same everywhere and particles are just attracted to the place where they would live longer, it almost explains the it almost explains like the 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 existential dread that humans have and that it's a common thing to want to live longer, right? Cuz you're I guess you're made up of particles and your particles all want to live longer. So I'm totally, totally making stuff up that crosses boundaries, but I'm like, oh, well, that would. No, no, there's, there's a hundred parking lot items that we're coming across (laughs) here for sure. But like one of them though, I, just to jump in on the, I I don't know that they behave differently in different, I, I, I don't think that you meant to say that there are different rules in different locations. I think there, there are rules based on the amount of mass that you have. Like if, if, if the, if the theory was, you know, um, particles have a self-interest, a consciousness, or, or they're just, you know, being pulled along on a thread. Mm. Like you'd have a great argument for this solar system to just all be glomming around the sun and eventually just going right into the sun or that you wouldn't have the universe expanding. Like it would all just be, which I guess it will eventually, you know, start to snap back. And there, I heard some discussion about this recently where that is not as certain as it was told to us as kids. I'm not surprised. I mean, everything, well, I remember where I was standing when I, when I read the, there was like a, I don't know where I picked it up on social media or whatever. I was standing in a Starbucks, looking at my phone, waiting to get a coffee. And I was reading this article from like Scientific American about gravity being confirmed as, you know, as, as curved space time and not, you know, the string pulling you to the middle of the planet. And I was just standing there like, what, I, I can't go to work now. Like what, what this is <laughs> What the hell, you know? <laughs> and so it's it just things like that just keep coming up. Yeah. Where the, you know, whether like you were bringing these other threads like consciousness and right. where conscious, like the, the hard problem of consciousness and time and gravity and 
none of it makes any sense. And like, again, back to that comedian that I was talking about before, where he was like, my hand is made of molecules. This table is made out of molecules. I hit the table and my hand stops. It doesn't go through the table. And we ask science why this is. And they say, we don't know. <laughs> it's like, it's like, the, you should know that. It's mostly why do you space. Not know that? I know it's insane. So I wanted to read something to you, uh, from, uh, related to the meta the failure of metaphors mm. so have you heard of richard feynman oh yeah mm -hmm. so he he's in an interview on the uh uh i don't know some someone's interviewing him and they they're like they're asking him something about how magnets work and he's like i can't explain that attraction in terms of anything else that's familiar to you <laughs> for example if i said the magnets attract <laughs> It's such a great right. answer. <laughs> I mean, it's almost like every he, metaphor he would be wrong is what he's saying. He could just stop right there. Right. Uh huh. I can't explain that attraction in terms of anything else that's familiar to you. Awesome. For example, if I said the magnets attract uh, like as if they were connected by rubber bands, I would be cheating you because they are not connected by <laughs> rubber bands. And if you were curious enough, you'd ask me why rubber bands tend to pull back together again. And I would end up explaining that in terms of electrical forces. <laughs> Which are the very things that I'm trying to use the rubber bands to explain, so I have cheated you very badly. And he's, like, impatient with the guy. I think he's... Um, uh, oh, I love that. But it, would, it wouldn't hurt. Like, there's such a, a push to um, publish and to, be, and to popularize, and it helps grants and it helps funding, that there's this whole push around, like, uh, the popularization um, of, of science. Mm. And... I kind of appreciate somebody going, yeah, we can't, you, don't bother. You can't like stop pretending you can listen to Neil deGrasse Tyson and understand what he's talking yeah, about. Yeah. Like he makes no sense. It's all flowery, yeah. but like at the end of the day, you, you, there's no, no better understanding. It feels. Yeah. He's, he's smart and stuff, but it doesn't, he, nothing he says increases my understanding. Like he's, I think he's talking to a different person. He's talking to a different person than, than me, but Feynman always, always, always gets me. He's always, but that is great. That's the greatest. There's nothing, nothing in your experience that I can align this with to make it make yeah. sense. I, yeah, I started, I started reading his, his book this summer, the, you know, that famous one, um, you know, the, what is it like the, oh shoot, I can't remember the title of it for some reason right now, but like, um, it's more about how much of a madman he is. It's kind of fun. It's kind of a fun read. Mm. Oh, surely you're joking, Mr. Fame or Dr. Fame. That's what it is. <laughs> That's I guess I had seen, I am aware of that, but I, I should definitely put that on my list. So qu just quick, quick story from yeah, it, just to yeah. pique, pique your interest. Yeah. He's like in, what's the place in New Mexico where they're working on the atomic bomb, like uh, in World War II, Alamo? Uh, Alamo, I guess. No, I, Al Alamos. Los Alamos. Los Alamos. Los Alamos. Yeah, there's no basement in the Alamo, but there's nuclear weapons at Los Alamos. Actually, <laughs> there's a difference. Okay. So he's there and he's, he's getting kind of, I'll get so a lot of this wrong, but just for the sake of making this 15 seconds instead of 10 minutes, like he gets bored and starts teaching himself the drums <laughs> and, and he, but he's annoying his, um, floor mates. So he's like, I, I need to play the drums cause like this work is not challenging enough and I just need to be doing something. So he goes out in like the woods and is playing the drums and he's like, well, while I'm out here, I might as well paint my face. And he like takes his shirt off and he's like drumming in the moonlight in the woods. And then, and then there's like a curfew or something like that. And like two of his colleagues are like looking for him and that thread goes off and goes nowhere. And then they're like, because they're in 
Los Alamos, there's Native Americans around, and people start hearing this drumming in the woods. And two of the guys go out in the woods to find the Native Americans, and they're being very respectful, and they're like, we got to be, we can't, we don't want to surprise or disturb the Native Americans that are, you know, observing some kind of a drumming ritual. And they creep up to the edge, and they see this figure painted in the in the night drumming and they're like this is too disrespectful we have to leave and then it's only later they find out from his wife that it was him drumming like half naked in the woods so it's it's a little bit more accessible so than, great than some of the others oh man it. yeah yeah i've watched a million videos of his like talking to classes his like whole approach is perfect for me like it's exactly what works on me you know like he just comes up with examples that you can get your head around and then in, in almost like explains, almost explains, I, I, it's almost like he explains why that is actually wrong. It's almost like you said with the, with the, the rubber bands, you know, he just like, this, this might help you understand it, but it's actually wrong in these ways. I don't know. It's really good. And plus he's always, yeah. Instead like, of feeling like, oh yeah, let's use this. Like, you know, cause it'll, it'll be on NPR for a week. Exactly. You know, we can get some news around our discovery and all this kind of stuff. And it doesn't really matter if people understand it. Yeah, it just makes a good headline. And you're like, why are you interested in it? Well, I'm interested in it because I get this like crazy unresolved tension. Yeah. It's almost like the sound of sound of one hand clapping. Like you can start, I can start, it would almost be like a good meditation to trigger like, uh, you know, one of those crazy moments that uh, Mark talked about all those Mm. those years ago. Yeah. uh, Mark Reuter. But like, it's, it's mind numbing, you know, because you have this confidence that they know what they're talking about. And your my mind is just racing to try and make some sense of it, and it's the world around us. Like mm. I'm surrounded by light right now, and and we're talking I, in a computer. Yeah, and I look up at the night sky every every night, and um, I still don't understand why the light is just coming in as a as a basically a pinpoint. Like I, it's hard to, for me to understand in an infinite universe with infinite stars why the night sky isn't just bright all the time. <laughs> that's a good like it makes that. sense there's a it million suns out you, there and the light's all going does it decay maybe i don't know right like it makes sense in a in like when you're a child and you and you're doing those first pictures you know of of your neighborhood mm. and you always do like the 90 degree sun peeking in from the corner <laughs> and there's like 10 lines yeah, yeah. like the night sky to me makes sense in that environment but the truth is the light's coming out everywhere like in every space around the sun there should be light. And if I don't know why, at what point does it begin to separate? And, and even if it's separating, why can't I, if I, if I'm not seeing the pieces that are coming front ways up, why can't I see the ones that are going that I'd be looking at sideways on, you know? So why am I interested in it? Because every day I, something comes up where I'm vexed. (laughs) Vexed. (laughs) Uh, Oh, that's good. All right, I gotta go to my next thing. I gotta go, plus I gotta pee. Okay. Good chat. Well, the pee the pee will go in a straight in a straight line. It, it won't it won't is gonna, spread throughout the bowl. It'll be a, a vector. It's gonna curve through the uh, earth into gravity well. The gravity I bowl. Hope, I hope I hope the space time continuum gets it into the bowl for you. So does Erica. <laughs> <laughs> why does the space why does why does space time fail me so often? Space time. I yeah, I don't know. Space time. I don't know. Ask Einstein. All right, dude. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye.